0: This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. We are in the midst of a paradigm shift when it comes to genetic medicine, says Bruce Gelb, director of the Mindich Child Health and Development Institute at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Today, doctors wait until someone has a health problem. And if there's a suspicion that there's a genetic link, they then conduct tests to figure out what the link is. But
1: now we're getting to a point. We envision a future where perhaps you know every newborn will uh, have DNA taken from blood and their genome sequenced, and it will be just part of their medical record. And the notion is that we will have all this genetic information and be able to prospectively identify people that are going to be at high risk uh, for having particular genetic disorders, and by virtue of identifying them. Before they would present, sometimes we could prevent certain problems or treat them if we have treatments for certain problems, and so on. And the question is does it work? Is it possible, at least given? where we sit today.
0: He and his colleagues set out to test this genotype-first approach for genetic variants that influence cardiac diseases. They chose two sets of disorders for which there are other visible physical manifestations, particularly height. This means the condition might have been caught by a doctor before the heart issue, which is far more subtle, would have presented.
1: For this study, we looked at now, this way, I can call it the long and the short of it. We t- we, we picked one set of disorders where individuals tend to have uh, short stature, uh, so their growth is impaired, and then another where it's the opposite, where they tend to be taller than is typical. So the former are called the RASopathies, the most common by far, and the one we really were studying, not to exclusion, but but close to it, is called Noonan syndrome, and it is a genetic disorder. The estimates, which are not very precise, are that something like one in 2,000 people have this disorder, and in this disorder, there's a particular facial appearance that is typical. The patients tend to be on the short side. And uh, about 90% of them will have heart involvement. And that heart involvement can include birth defects, so congenital heart disease, or it can include a problem of the heart muscle itself uh, called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That's a problem where there's too much heart muscle in essence.
0: The second disorder is called Marfan syndrome. People with this disorder can have vision problems, and they tend to be quite tall. They tend to have
1: long legs and arms, and they also have cardiovascular disease. And specifically, some of them will have uh, floppy mitral valves, so-called mitral valve prolapse. Um, but the the more threatening aspect is that they will have uh, a problem with their aorta that develops over time, where the aorta, which is the largest artery in the body, the one that comes right off the heart, that that portion right above the heart tends to dilate out, cause aneurysm. That's a silent condition. Uh, until, you know, it gets so dilated that the tissue is thinned out and and the wall starts to give way. And, of course, if it does give way, that's a a life-threatening and potentially life-ending event.
0: The research team conducted a genome-first analysis of samples from a Mount Sinai biobank called BioMe, which has DNA sequencing on more than 30,000 samples, and the United Kingdom Biobank with 50,000 samples. They plan to analyze the genomes for variants linked to these syndromes and then compare that against both the diagnoses and phenotype codes in the patient's records. First, the rasopathies.
1: In the end, amongst all the individuals in the two biobanks, which is a total of about 80,000 individuals, we identified 21 who had changes that were consistent with having rasopathy. And then when we looked at the question, well, how many of them had been diagnosed with having a rasopathy, it turns out to be a little less than 15%. So first point is, (laughs) there are a lot of people who we believe are walking around with gene changes that should be causing rasopathy, but that hasn't been recognized by their care providers. That's point one. So then we looked to say, okay, if you look at the features that we can look at in a medical record for the ones in biome, or at least from you know the coding information such we had and height, you know, those we had for everybody, there are things we could look at. We were able to find that altogether, at least two-thirds of the individuals almost certainly have it including the ones, you know, the 15% plus another uh, 50, 60%, let's say, we, we found evidence from the chart that they likely had it and just it hadn't been recognized.
0: But there were some differences in this undiagnosed population. If you say, well, what's the average height of these
1: individuals? They, as a group, are shorter than the, the average population. That was true in both biobanks. We did it very carefully. We know that for sure. However, if you ask the question, how many of them are outside of the normal range? You would expect, based on what we know about individuals who have Noonan syndrome, 30 to 40% would be outside of the normal range. We found it was only 10%, much lower than we expected. Similarly, when we asked the question, what percent had a form of congenital heart disease? Now, we know in patients that we make the diagnosis that up to 40% of them, again, will have that. Here, it was a very low percentage. Again, it was down around, I think, 10%. So overall, this is a much milder group of individuals that we're finding in these biobanks than ones we would typically make a diagnosis.
0: They also found a higher-than-expected incidence of autoimmune disease, particularly one that leads to low thyroid hormone levels. Next, Marfan syndrome. So in
1: Marfan syndrome, there we found a little more than 20% of individuals had a diagnosis of marfan syndrome and then we could add a smaller percentage so about 10 percent or a little more who we found from the medical records had clear evidence of having features that told us they must have marfan syndrome but The doctors had not made the diagnosis.
0: In this population, they found a higher incidence of eye disease, but more mild versions than had been previously associated with the syndrome. And then they looked for evidence of aortic aneurysms. Previously,
1: you would say Marfan syndrome, that you would expect a very high percentage to have aneurysm, like 85%, whereas we found a third of patients had problems with the aorta. So when you look on a population basis, it turns out to be less frequent than we understood. But again, there's a circular logic, right, because the patients who show up with a problem in their aneurysm of their aorta are the ones who tend to get diagnosed. So that's why their, you know, our understanding is a little bit off compared to what's in the general population.
0: Dr. Gelb and his colleagues have come to a number of conclusions based on this study. First, the phenotypes associated with the syndromes seem to have a much wider range, including much more mild examples than what scientists had previously understood. Second, while they do think they can fully identify the rasopathies, in particular Noonan syndrome, they believe they may have come up with a number of false positives for Marfan syndrome based on the latest genetic understanding of the variants.
1: And all that matters because if you imagine that day where we're sequencing everybody, it's not going to work if we tell... 100 people that they're at risk for disease x but it turns out that only 20 of them really are because what we understand about gene changes is so flawed right so we've got to be not 100% accurate but we've got to be really close to accurate if it were today we could probably do that for the rasopathies i feel like um for marfan syndrome i feel like we're not quite there yet and if you imagine from a public health point of view Well, You know, let's say we did it for the entire American population, right, to take it to its extreme. We would be left just for this one disease. We'd be left telling a lot of people that they were at risk for something that they're really not at risk for. That has implications. I mean, some people get very upset. It creates a lot of anxiety, but also costs. A lot because then you're saying that these people need regular medical surveillance. They need cardiac imaging every few years. I mean, there are a lot of things that start to happen um, when when you're carrying a a diagnosis like that. So, you know, I think we're not ready for that is the bottom line. And then the other thing, which I think is as important and maybe less discussed, is that we're going to have to restudy what a particular disorder is because the way this will be air quotes, sold, is that if the average age of survival for Marfan syndrome is 42, and if we don't find it and and all these people are going to get aneurysms that are going to rupture and they're all going to die. But if it turns out that if you study it on a population basis, that actually it's 5%, not that you wouldn't still look for it and prevent those events, but the risks are a lot lower than we understand. So I think we will be giving people a lot of incorrect information that is skewed and biased to the severe side of disease because till now that's the part of the iceberg that we could see and recognize and understand. And we haven't studied the unseen part below the waterline, and that's what studies like ours enable.
0: Dr. Gelb says it's important to do similar studies for other conditions to better understand the penetrance of disorders and the full range of associated phenotypes.
1: And then the ultimate challenge, the ultimate challenge, which you know we're nowhere close on, is to understand incomplete penetrance so why is it that two people who have the exact same change in a gene, one has it and one doesn't? How much of that is due to other genetic factors, so-called modifiers, and how much of it is due to environmental exposures and what, which ones? Because then you could start to get far more precise about who will show up, and that would be, if you believe in precision medicine, that would obviously be even better.
0: Genetics and Medicine is the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.